Welcome to Brain Stuff, a production of iHeartRadio. Hey, Brain Stuff, Lauren Vogelbaum here. Her image was immortalized on the golden dollar in the year 2000, and she's recognizable by her forward-looking gaze and the baby she carries on her back. She's been described as an interpreter for the Lewis and Clark expedition, but relatively little is known about Sacagawea, despite the fact that she's one of the few women ever depicted on U.S. currency. And yes, that's closer to a correct pronunciation than Sacagawea. Although Sacagawea was from the Shoshone people, her name is given in the Hidatsa language and has been interpreted to mean bird woman or crow woman. We spoke with Carolyn Gilman, author of Lewis and Clark Across the Divide. She said she was a Native woman who was thrust into history when she accompanied Lewis and Clark. There are a lot of things that have been claimed for her that you really can't say. We do know that Sacagawea crossed the Continental Divide at the age of 17 while toting her infant son. She also crossed cultures and played a role in the success of the expedition, and perhaps unknowingly, in Manifest Destiny. Lemhi Shoshone, Sacagawea was born around 1788 in modern-day Idaho. Twelve years later, she was captured by the gun-possessing Hidatsa tribe, who took her to the Hidatsa Mandan settlement near what's now North Dakota. The settlement was an international trading center, and she lived with the Hidatsa, the reason her name is thought to be from that language, for a few years, until a French-Canadian fur trader by the name of Toussaint Charbonneau took her as a wife. In this case, wife is a relative term, and she was one of two. According to James Ring Adams, senior historian at the History and Culture Unit at the National Museum of the American Indian Smithsonian, her role in the relationship was likely more as a consort. As some accounts state that the marriage was an economic deal on behalf of her adoptive family, or even that she was one in a card game. Whatever the case, Charbonneau was about 37 years old to her 16. And Sacagawea was pregnant by the time Meriwether Lewis and William Clark arrived in the area. The Lewis and Clark expedition had begun in 1803 when President Thomas Jefferson sent out the Corps of Discovery to explore the land that the U.S. government gained from the Louisiana Purchase. It's important to remember that the land deal with France included a lot more than today's eponymous state. The territory stretched from roughly the Canadian border to the Gulf of Mexico, and from the Mississippi River to Colorado, nearly doubling the size of the United States at the time. Charbonneau offered his services as interpreter to Lewis and Clark, proffering that he had two wives from near the Continental Divide. He got the job, and Sacagawea was chosen to accompany him on the expedition. Gilman suggests that Lewis and Clark might have wanted to bring Sacagawea more than her husband because they were looking for a Shoshone translator. Charbonneau only spoke Hidatsa and French, but you couldn't hire a woman. You had to hire her husband. Lewis and Clark had a generally low opinion of Charbonneau. In fact, Lewis later described him as a, quote, man of no peculiar merit. By contrast, Sacagawea proved to be an advantageous member of the expedition. In the beginning, Lewis and Clark were interested in her tribal connections because her Shoshone people straddled the Continental Divide, and it was crucial for them to cross it. Adams said, it turned out even better than they expected. When the expedition first encountered the Shoshone, Lewis was leading, and after an initial contact with an older woman, was approached by a band of about 60 Shoshone on horseback, who became friendly enough, 
But when Clark's group met up with him a day or so later, Sakagawea was with him, and one of the Shoshone women recognized her as the girl who had been kidnapped many years before. The leader of the band turned out to be her brother. An alliance was formed between the expedition and the band, which then provided horses and guides. Because of incidents like this, Lewis and Clark developed more and more respect for Sakagawea. Simply having a woman with an infant signaled to those who they encountered along the way that they were not a war party. Tellingly, by the time they reached the Pacific coast, she'd got a vote in deciding whether or not the expedition would stay there for the winter of 1805 into 1806. And when the group returned to Fort Mandan in North Dakota, Lewis and Clark recorded paying both the interpreter, Charbonneau, and the interpretress, Sakagawea. Adams said, Her worth to the expedition became more and more evident as it went on. Her role in the success of the expedition deserves all the legendary status that it has. After the expedition, Sakagawea remained with Charbonneau, but we don't know much else. And she may have traveled to St. Louis with Charbonneau to deliver her son, Jean-Baptiste, to Clark, who had offered to raise him and provide him with an education. She had a second child, a daughter, who she named Lisette. Just months later, though, Sakagawea died after suffering from what was recorded as a putrid fever. A popular myth of the Wind River Indian Reservation in Wyoming says that Sakagawea lived there into her 90s and was buried at Fort Washaki, but that's been debunked, according to Adams. Most reports show that she died in 1812. There are few documentary mentions of Sakagawea, says Gilman. A traveler who met her commented that she was a sweet person, but offers just one sentence. A fur trader recorded her death in 1812 and said she was the best woman at the fort. Everyone who discussed her had something good to say about her. Adams describes the Lewis and Clark expedition as overly successful. It was billed as a scientific exploration to learn about the newly acquired territory, which was largely unknown to colonists from England at the time. Jefferson hypothesized that the expedition might encounter mammoths or mastodons. It served a political purpose, too, to solidify the U.S. government's claim to the area. Clearly, the expedition had far-reaching ramifications, and Sakagawea played a part in its success. However, Lewis and Clark attached little importance to her role. It was Nicholas Biddle who edited their journals for publication and interviewed Clark. Much of what is known about Sakagawea comes from the Biddle interview rather than the journals, and Sakagawea has an enhanced role in the 1814 published version because Biddle immediately saw that the public would be interested in her. Gilman said, she's been used to symbolize various things over the years. She explains that, for one, Sakagawea has been adopted, as Native American women like Pocahontas have been, as a symbol of the amity with which indigenous peoples collaborated with European colonists, as a sort of justification for the colonizers' actions because Native people, and particularly women, collaborated with them. These figures symbolize the union of two different cultures and become symbolic founders. Gilman said, they all become mythic. That's what's actually going on for Skagawea. She is for the West what Pocahontas is for the East. And Gilman points out, she's not just a figurative mother, but a literal mother figure. She may be seen by some as a La Malinche-style collaborationist, uh, someone who was a facilitator of an invasion. 
La Malinche was the Mexican woman who played a key role in the Spanish conquest of the Aztec Empire by Hernán Cortés. But Gilman points out that Lewis and Clark were not on a military expedition in the way that Cortés was, so those accusations shouldn't be leveled against her. Gilman said, I would like people to empathize with her. She was a person who found herself in a situation where she could contribute to history, and she lived up to the expectations that were placed on her. She showed remarkable fortitude and perseverance throughout the whole experience. Today's episode was written by Carrie Whitney and produced by Tyler Klang. For more on this and lots of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. BrainStuff is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. <laughs> 